We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is Sanyin Siyang. Sanyin is the founding executive director of Duke University's Coach K Leadership and Ethics Center at its Fuqua School of Business and is a professor at Duke's Pratt School of Engineering. Sanyin helps boards, CEOs, and their teams thrive in an increasingly volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world by optimizing their unique strengths, building stronger teams, and reimagining the future. She convenes interdisciplinary and diverse think tanks towards finding and implementing new approaches for complex problems. As an executive coach and advisor, she leverages behavioral practices with keen insights on the operational context to enable Fortune 500 CEOs, family business leaders, sports executives, public sector leaders, and tech founders for next level success. She's recognized by Thinkers 50 as the world's top executive coach and one of the top 50 management thinkers globally. Sanyan brings a unique combination of practitioner sensibility, academic grounding, and patterns for leadership success. These are some of the things that I admire most about you, Sanyan. What I appreciate most about you is your approachability, humility, and intentionality. You are a dynamic thought leader with a clear mission, and you serve us with your ambition to continually grow, and you encourage us to be brave and generous. I so admire you and appreciate you. Welcome to ROG. Oh my gosh. Um, Shannon, thank you for that kind and generous introduction. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because um, your reputation is so amazing. I've heard amazing things about you from dear people and friends, leaders that whom I admire. But um, for the listeners out there, there's really only one thing you need to know about me. And that is my mission in life is to enable greatness in others. Because it's much more fun enabling greatness than chasing greatness. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. Enabling greatness in others. I love that mission. How did you get to that? So like many of us, um, we as when we were growing up, we're taught to focus on achievement, achievement, achievement. And we get into our heads that success is purely measured by what we achieve and what we accomplish. But as you and I know, the outcomes. We sometimes don't have control over the outcomes. We only have control over the input into the process, but the outcomes are beyond our control, right? So this idea of chasing greatness as defined by, well, I have to um, either win this award or hit this amount or, you know, the power, the status, all those things. I realize it's not within our control, but what I discovered was so much fun was whether it was um, students who are coming into my office and they're wrestling with being and trying to figure out who they are and how they want to show up and being able to talk them through it. And then they come back and say, you know what, that was impactful. 
the joy from that. Or then um, as an executive coach, like working with these leaders and they are, because we all wrestle, we all wrestle with uncertainty and challenges. And then for them to come back and, and to be able to help them see something in themselves that they otherwise mm. didn't see. Um, and then as a mom, I'm a mom first. And so I've got three little ones and just cultivating and helping them to double down on their unique and differentiating factors, I just realized where my joy was derived. And I realized it was about this idea of enabling greatness. And I think many of us, when we look back at those moments where that made us the happiest, I think we can count the moments where we're helping others um, be among our most joyful moments. I totally agree. This is another reason why we are meant to be friends because <laughs> I seri- I agree with you. I think that for any one of us to just go through those peak moments of life, like those times that you really felt joy in the most deep and internal ways, what were you doing? And we, you and I agree that it would be, you were doing something of service to others, right? So your mission is to enable greatness in others. You think about how can I, like, how do you do that? I'm curious to hear that. And then I want to hear a little bit more about why most people are living their lives to like do enough to be enough. So just the first one here, like, how do you do that? So um, one of the things so one of the questions I always get asked is in the leadership question is how do how do I become an inspiring leader? Because we all aspire to be inspiring leaders. And uh-huh. there was a moment in my life, uh, like yesterday, when I don't feel like I'm an inspiring leader <laughs> because I had this idea, like many of us in our heads, that being inspiring is about charisma and you have to be witty and big personality, walk into a room and having this commanding presence. Well, I'm five feet one. Actually, I went to the doctors and they said, no, you're now down to five feet. (laughs) I'm five feet tall, bit of an introvert, soft voice. And there was a moment when I thought being inspiring was not attainable. But then, you know, reflection does a lot. You know, when I reflect back on, um, like there's this wall behind me full of pictures and on it are people, friends, mentors, even mentees and students who have inspired me the most. And what made them inspiring Mm -hmm. wasn't the charisma. It wasn't the wedding. I mean, they were all so different. It was really because they helped me see something in myself that I didn't realize um, I was capable of doing. Um, They helped me dream bigger dreams. Or at moments, it could just be being there and helping me process through a really tough moment. And it could also be celebrating a joyful moment and achievement with me. And I realized, oh, if that's what I find inspiring about them, then being inspirational is attainable for all of us. We just have to do those things where it's focused on others. Um, And that's, you know, that's why I Mm -hmm. love the name of your podcast, Return on Generosity. It is the return on generosity. It's greatness in others. Yes. And it's counterintuitive, right? Because you think if I give something, that means I have less, Mm. right? Just if you think of it in terms of economics, 
But really what we're saying is, no, no, no. If you give something, you're the one who gets the return. It comes right back to you. Like, but you're the one who gets the benefit multiplied. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're so right, Shannon. I'm so glad you raised that point because let's take this one simple example. You think about all the different types of capital. We have there's reputational capital, there's financial capital, there's social capital, which which is who is in our network. Um, I would also add uh, intellectual jet capital and joy capital. So let's look at social capital. You know who we have in our network. Um, we can look at that and say, wow, I know this person, this person, this person. These are hard earned relationships. So I'm going to hold on to them. And if I introduce someone them to someone else, then maybe I lose a little bit of that. That would be under the scarcity mindset. But if we turn around and what I've discovered is, oh gosh, um, this leader is looking for this. Gosh, I have this amazing former student who can provide this. They'll add value when they're connected to each other. I mean, it can be peer to peer. It can be someone who's further along in their career with someone who's, you know, um, earlier on in career, but you're creating value by connecting people, by using your social capital. You don't have to be in the room for you to be in the room because they will be saying wonderful things. Like we started this talking about Lisa Chang who connected us, right? And Lisa's not in our room right now, but she mm-hmm. is in the room. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how it goes. Yes. Oh, I love that. That that idea of the capital and when you talked about scarcity mentality of like if I give this up then I have less. But the opposite of that would then be abundance mentality. I'd love to hear your thoughts on just how that works for anyone who struggles with that clinging on to things in hopes of, you know, retaining it for for themselves. Yeah. um, My good friend, Catherine Merton, Kate Merton, um, she once shared, we have two purposes um, in life. One is to discover our gifts. And the other one is once you discover your gifts is to give it away and to share it. And um And I think that is the abundance mindset because the scarcity mindset, which is often how we are taught or raised is the pie is only so big. So we're going all after the same piece of pie. That's a lot of competition. There's only this one spot for this position or this one award. And yes, that is true. However, with the abundance mindset, it asks a different question. How do we make the pie even bigger? And whoever can make the pie bigger, that is power. And Mm. let's bring other people into it so that we don't have to go after the same piece of pie. But suddenly, that's that's a bigger impact and return. Yeah, that more than enough, right? There's more than enough energy and time and resource and opportunities and all of that for us to, to, to discover and create. And that's why I think, you know, your view to such an innovator and, and, and an inspirational leader is that you, you help people unclick those thoughts of like, how could I create a bigger pie? Like, what would this look like if this wasn't this small, right? How could we innovate something that that really uh, satiates everyone? I love that. And Shannon, just pausing for a bit there. So yesterday I was on your website and I took the generosity, um, your generosity quiz. And by the way, for all the listeners out there, if you haven't gone yet on the bridge between generosity uh, quiz and also the diversity uh, index, 
take those. It takes you only like five minutes for each and you get such wonderful insights. And I love just sometimes for generosity, just even posing the questions and sitting down reflecting can help us mm-hmm. discover we all want to be more generous. I don't think people wake up and say, oh, I want to be screwed. I think we all want to be more generous. We like to mm-hmm. be perceived as generous. And it's discovering what gets in the way of that. And so just, you know, that generosity quiz going through, it's a good metric, but also think, oh, where can I do better? So thank you. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for taking that. And your results, if you don't mind me sharing, was, (laughs) of course, (laughs) (laughs) was abundance activator. And I think when we're in that state, that's like peak state, because that's like, I have so much abundance that I want to go now do something, right? Because the 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 other op there's two other options. One is a wholehearted observer, which is someone who like I see all the need, I recognize that I could be of service and value, but I'm overwhelmed by how much need there is. And so I don't I'm not really doing a lot other other than feeling guilty and shame because I, I feel like I should be doing more. Like you see it. And then the other, the third is the go, go, go CEO, which is the person that really needs the generosity to be reversed to themselves. They, they need to give back to themselves because they're just at that place in, in life that, that we get to, like, I was that this week, I was actually that yesterday, to be honest, um, where I need to just stop and say, I I need a break. I need rest. I need a good meal, (laughs) you know, and, and I don't want to feel bad about that. Right. Because I just needed to repurpose some of my generous energy back to myself. Yes. And and I, I want to double emphasize on that point because we think about it as binary where like generosity, that means we don't, we don't focus on ourselves at all. But if we're not well, we can't, we can't help others as ably. And so we need to be brave in asking others to also invest in our success. I mean, why rob them? I mean, I love investing in other people's success. Why rob them of the joy? Yes. <laughs> in ours, right? I agree. Oh my gosh, completely. So I wanted to go back to your students and your clients who have come to you, who are doing, 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 they're so actively engaged and they're, the way I view it is they're doing enough to have enough to be enough. And what you're suggesting is go ahead and be enough. Start with how you want to be. You're, you're coaching and encouraging people to be present and be their superpower, which we, we'll talk about in a second. I wonder what you believe is the reason for that, that like running on all cylinders in order to be enough. You know, I struggled with this. Um, I'm still struggling with it, to be honest. This narrative of I'm not enough or I have to prove myself because I think that's how society sometimes inadvertently and those even those whom we love and those who are helping us uh, inadvertently unintentionally uh, create that sort of narrative that we have to constantly prove ourselves right and the superpowers work really stems the origin story was I would walk into rooms and I would look around and I could see with all the amazingness and the awesomeness in everyone else around me. But I failed to see that in myself. And there was a little bit of the comparison trapping. 
still going on. But then to be able to walk into a room and saying, you know what? What if I, instead of having to prove that I have something to contribute, but having the mindset that I am enough, that my diversity of viewpoints, my experiences enable me to, when I share something, it will add to the conversation. That is so much more freeing. And I thought, gosh, if I have this problem, maybe maybe other people might have it too. And um, and I think that's, I think a large number of people have it. And so what if we can help discover this thing that is our blind spot, which is what makes us unique um, and everybody, because we are made that way, <laughs> that way, has at least one, if not many, many, many um, differentiating, energizing strengths that are superpowers. I love that. And, you know, you write about this in your book, which I think was released in 2017 called The Launch Book. And in that, you you talk about like the mindset of starting things. And in there, you, you talk about a lot of things, including generosity and superpowers. But just want to get your your thoughts on like, why is it so hard for us to launch things? Um, because we're saying, you know, we're wired for for achievement and and accomplishment. So you would think, OK, well, that would mean we would have to launch things. But many of us struggle with that. And you were, you were so kind and generous to say, let me put a book together on not just how to launch something, but what's our mindset about launching things. So please unpack that for us a little. Shannon, thank you, one, for reading my book and um, two, for, for your question. So we write books, not because we have answers, but because we're searching for answers to problems that are plaguing us. Right. So I just shared like this is why I'm focusing on superpowers, because it was something I was personally struggling with. So with launch, it was I realized I was such a scaredy cat when it comes to launching things I really, really care about. And I was like, why is this? There's books about starting businesses, about starting new careers. And those are tactics. But we have to get the mindset right. Um, And then the tactics, all that mechanics of it. Um, there's enough guidance on that. But I was struck, I was really having a hard time finding books that's really about getting beyond um, and getting us to just start. And I think to your question, one of the reasons why it's so hard is because when we have an idea in our head and it's something that we're excited about in our head, while it's still in our head, it's a home run, (laughs) slam dunk. But the moment it hits reality at the first step, we run into all sorts of, uh, let's say, um, new challenges, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we can keep it in our heads for as long as possible, (laughs) we can live in that (laughs) fantasy. Safe in here. (laughs) However, the reality of it is just taking that first step and then testing and iterating and inviting others to give that feedback and using it also as an opportunity to build new relationships and to learn and mm. grow. That, um, that is so energizing rather than thinking, oh, I hit this obstacle. It's not going to be the thing I imagined. It's I'm going to write this book and it's going to be a bestseller. I'm going to start this business. It's going to be a unicorn. But instead to say, hey, I'm I'm curious. I believe in this. Let's just take that first step and see what happens. And then let's take another step. Because um, 
I, I remember one of the best advice from a friend of mine from my time in D.C., Catherine Shagel. She said, um, and we're perfectionists, right? So we went to that 100% hit rate. And she reminded me, she's like, Sun Yin, when you learn, you know, when you were born, did you learn how to run? Like, no. She was like, no. Um, you, we stumble, we trip, we crawl, and now we can run. So it takes practice. We just have to take that first step. Mm. Wow, that's so beautiful. And I love what you're saying here around the asking questions, being curious. I would love more of your thought leadership on curiosity and asking questions. Oh, I think curiosity, as we're seeing that word more and more in the practitioner space, is a superpower, right? Um, Simon Brown and his co-authors wrote this great book, and Simon is the chief learning officer for Novartis, one of the biggest uh, pharma companies in the world. It's called the Curiosity Advantage, and it is exactly that, um, this idea of being curious. And so connecting that curiosity back to superpowers, we can look at it in this world of uncertainty. We can, we are asked to learn new skills, perhaps if we're in an organization and might have to let go of the things that help us achieve to this point, some of those skill sets and take on new skill sets. I mean, we're hearing about artificial intelligence and chat GPT and that's a new skill set. And we're wired to love the status quo because <laughs> the status quo is safe. And so making that change to take on a new skill set. However, um, if we have this curious outlook and we say, all right, I know what my superpowers are, but what if there are latent yet to be expressed superpowers that I didn't realize I have? They're latent because I have never had the opportunity to really express them, maybe taking on this new skill set or getting out of our comfort zone and being in this new opportunity can help me discover those new strengths. I didn't think I could be good with people. Shannon until I was age 30. I, or in my late 20s and early 30s, I'm an introvert. I love going home and just reading a book or, or just watching movies. And um, so I was thought, I'm not a people, I like people, but I didn't think I could be good at interacting with people. And um, with my role with the Coach K Center, uh, it went from starting off being, you know, setting up the structure operationally to, okay, now it's going out and engaging with people. That's when I discovered, wow, I like discovering the awesomeness in people, <laughs> the way I do in books. Yes. And that led to, and I didn't realize I could be good at it. I didn't realize I was good at it until even like three or four years later after that, when I finally got feedback, like, oh, you're really good at connecting. You're really wow. good at And so we all have those latent yes. superpowers if we're brave enough and curious. You co-founded the Duke University Coach K Leadership and Ethics Center and that's a launch. That was a launch. I'm curious to hear what what you learned f about your mindset in doing something like that or starting your own business. I mean, there's so many things that you've launched. Um, just to go back into that mindset again, what are some of the things that you learned through those experiences about 
what does it take for us to actually launch something? Oh, teams, community. Um, so and notice it's co-founded, not founded, co-founded. So there was a wonderful system of amazing leaders that were in place um, when we started this. Um, I conduct my amazing mentor and colleague, uh, Sim Sikkin, who is one of the foremost leadership scholars in the world. Um, there's Tejumadia Jassa, who is my assistant director, and she knows about operations. Uh, Rick Stalin, who was the uh, deputy dean at that time, and of course, Coach K, from whom we can draw so many leadership lessons from. So one thing is for anyone who think they can do any launch alone, or even... Uh, I think it's easy to think that when we look at the media and the stories of entrepreneurs who are highlighted because it's always the singular or there might be a, a founding team, it's two or three. But really, there is an army of people who enable that project or that company to be successful. And it could be a kind word um, or it could be really gritty mm -hmm truth from a prospective customer who helped us refine our products could be mentors i mean we don't do it mm -hmm. alone we can't do it alone we can't do it alone you're so right and that the team approach and the understanding and appreciation respect and really value for teams and the the people yes. that work with us in order to launch and complete and you know really engage in anything meaningful so let's talk more about teams. That's something that you and I are both really passionate about. We believe in the dynamics of bringing in different kinds of people. I think your whole superpower idea where you bring all of those superpowers together collectively, it's it's like limitless in possibility. So what do you think are some of the things that leaders can do to really value and in, enhance leaders' um, abilities to make more of a team environment in their corporate? Operations. Thank you for asking that. I want to connect this back also to the founding story of the Coach K Leadership and Ethics Center, because the other answer, the second answer to your question um, of, you know, what did I learn from co-founding the center is you have to believe in the mission, the purpose. Right? And Coach K, who we were drawing um, the leadership lessons from, he is all about teams. He understands teams. So let's connect that back to teams and why teams are so important, how leaders can unleash the power in their teams. We have a tendency to mm. inadvertently compare, right? Because it's um, we're, we're taught that. And so whether it's as parents for our children, um, how many times do we catch ourselves saying, well, you know, you're your sibling can do this. Why can't you? Inadvertently, right? And that, of course, creates its own negative consequences. Um, in the workplace, we do that inadvertently. Well, look at so-and-so, and we're constantly comparing someone's lowlights to another person's highlights, which actually is a losing proposition to start with. What I've noticed with Coach K is he <laughs> emphasizes the superpowers. Um, he doesn't call them superpowers, I do, but the dis differentiating distinctive strengths that a person brings. 
right? Because he sees the big picture of how they all fit together. So for example, Justin Robinson, a few years ago, um, he may not have the stats on the court, but coach made him co-captain of the team because Justin play one of his superpowers, many superpowers is the ability to be the person that his teammates trust to come to for that sage counsel, for that, for getting energized again, for believing again. And that is powerful. It takes us to see people differently. So we're wired to sometimes focus on the individual contributor. Oh, you scored. Oh, gosh, who's the person who scored? Who's the person who dunked that ball? Well, every score is built on an assist. Someone has to pass the ball to that person who makes the score. And we don't in sports, actually, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, they record assists in hockey. They record the first assist and the second assist. Why don't we do that in the workplace? So, oh, that you made the sale. All right. Can we also mm-hmm. highlight who assist along the way to enable that sale? So it goes beyond, we recognize your individual ah. contribution. We also recognize a broader range of individual contributions because we are really interdependent with each other. And great teams recognize the interdependence with each other. Beautiful. And that's, among the many things that I'm learning from you in this conversation and otherwise is that that recognition for the assist. The the first draft of my first book I called Good Game because I was watching my children play youth sports and at the end of every game they would say good game, good game, good game, good game. And I thought, why don't we do that at work? Like, you know, like you and I are negotiating, <laughs> yeah. you win. And, you know, or you, you get more value, let's just say. And for me to say, you know, afterwards, like good game, you know, that was, that was really brilliant the way that you, you, that you talked about the value and that way, you know what I mean? Like, could we be a little more transparent about how we're feeling and not just take it as a blow to our ego, but take it as an opportunity for us to learn from each other. So I love this idea of recording the assists. That's going to be in my takeaway tips in a moment. Um, <laughs> but back to questions. What are some key questions that we could ask ourselves as leaders to remember that it's about the team? Like, what are some questions that come to mind when you think about coaching leaders to value and really um, lift up teams? Well, I would take it to, instead of the aftermath, to before the Mm pre-outcome, right? To think about, all right, because as leaders, we have to now be even more aware of the context and the big picture and how the puzzle pieces um, fit together. Because, Um, The higher up you go, the more enterprise your view has to become. And sometimes when someone's within a particular segment, they may not see, like one of your direct reports may not see Mm -hmm. the connections, right? So if you think about the outcomes you want, um, you aspire to um, for the organization or for Mm -hmm. the team, and then you work backwards as to where are all the different pieces and ask yourself, where are all the different pieces that would be Mm -hmm. needed to enable that outcome and how do those pieces fit together and who needs to communicate with whom and the information flow and then sharing that Mm. openly with the entire team or better yet, um, get them, get the team to a place where they can share that Mm. with each other 
right? And you're just posing yes. the questions. I mean, I remember Alan Mulally, um, he turned around Ford. And one of the ways that he turned it around was, I mean, he's a airplane guy and he was the first outside CEO for Ford, a car company. And so you would think, how does someone without expertise in the product nor the industry um, turn around this amazing team, um, this, um, this, you know, iconic company uh, while with the pretty much uh, the same composition of the executive leadership team. And starting off, he would have everyone go around and talk about the green light, red light, um, yellow light, and they're sharing with each other and they're forming a contextual map. It's part of Alan's working together system, right? But then that contextual map is what uh, Stan McChrystal um, and his teams of teams would talk about as uh, a shared mm. consciousness. And I think as leaders, to be able to enable and help our team, it's pre-helping them say, oh, here's how we problem solve together or how we opportunity create together. And then afterwards, it's um, it's also recognizing, oh, this work because here's mm. the entire value chain yes. <laughs> that enables yes. the outcome. Yeah, and I can see that working culturally too. Like, what is the culture that we want to create? That pregame, right? That pre, yes. the way you talked about it with the 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 pre outcome. You know, what is the what do we want it to feel like to work here? And then, you know, what are the behaviors and values that we want to exhibit and master? And then, how do we recap that and hold people accountable and and give praise and recognition for people that are demonstrating those things? Shannon, I want to pull out one big word that you just said, the F word, feel. <laughs> we think about, <laughs> I got you there from watching your expression. You're like, what did I just say? The F word? I mean, yeah, feel, feelings. Uh, what, <laughs> you what, said what it. Feel? <laughs> well, it's because we think about in management, about strategic outcomes. We think about, you know, if we're really good about behavioral outcomes, do we also think about emotional outcomes and the emotional journey? Feeling uh, the one of the biggest things I learned from Coach K is he would say it's not enough for them to know it, they have to feel it and believe it. And so, we have to cultivate how do we intentionally cultivate that feel of the you know belief or the values that we, we are instilling and embedding in our organization? Mm. There's so much that I gained from this conversation. I know our listeners are wishing they had a notepad to take notes. Here's a couple of key takeaway tips that people can apply to their own work and lives. And would love for you to add anything that I missed. One of the things you talked about early in our conversation was about being, that how important it is for us to be and be who you are. And that leads us to that superpower like, what is your superpower? And you talked about reflection, the value of reflection. So for our listeners to really think about who are you and what are your superpowers? Then you talked about being curious and asking questions. So if we could leave our listeners with some encouragement to be curious and ask more questions. And then finally, you talked about recording the assists, really giving recognition and praise for those who are enabling others, who are really assisting in the successes of others. Anything else that you want to share with our listeners? I would say it's about connecting um, the thoughts among all three. So one, for launching, for moving forward, um, my great mentor, Francis Esapine, would say leadership is also a matter of being 
not just doing. Uh, that's why character matters. Our values matter. Um, and we can practice character, right? These habits of character. Mm-hmm. And so we have to know who we are um, in order to know who we choose to become, or we, we have to actually think about who do we choose to become and then work backwards to what do we have to do to become that person and be that person. Now, uh, reflection helps a great bit. However, we also need to curiously um, invite others to share data back with us because we, we're in dynamism. We're not islands. We're in dynamism with other people. And so to understand what is the impact of our actions to understand how people are interpreting our actions and invite them with questions and with openness and curiosity. Hey, tell me about where I could do better, but also tell me about what did I do right that I can do more of? Because mm-hmm. those were, both will give you insights into how close you are to what you, how do you close the gap between being the person that you aspire to become and the person you are now? And, um, and it's the, those two are valuable assists and you Mm. can be flip that around. You want to be a great leader. Um, you be open in sharing. Don't miss a moment to tell them this is what makes you amazing that I'm seeing because most likely they don't know that. And so Shannon, um, you enter this podcast. This is so much fun for me because you have that deep sense of curiosity and you're so authentic and you are cheering. I mean, even in this conversation, you're cheering me on through the framing of your questions. That is a gift and that is a differentiating superpower. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that and for your generosity. Ah, oh, thank you. And I feel the same. Thank you for your authenticity your transparency and your incredible generosity. So I really appreciate who you are and thank you for investing this valuable time with us. Thank you, Shannon. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. 우리는 나누면서 성숙합니다. We grow when we give. 우리는 나누면서 성숙합니다. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.